Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. All these girls gonna be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. Damn it, Kristen! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren. Girl, her name is Kimberly. podcast where four awesome ladies talk about sometimes really awesome things. We're very excited today because there was some news this week. Some good news about terrible people. Um, With me today is Kristen Lopez. Hello. Lauren Humphreys-Brooks. Hello. And Kimberly Pierce. Hi. And um, let's just go ahead and jump right into the big news of the week. Harvey Weinstein was arrested! Woo! We got one! So, this was like, I don't know about you guys, but I was shocked. I never thought I would see this day happen. I I don't think any of us did when when we saw, certainly not when we started this, um, which we started... The, the podcast right around uh, the time that he was first outed. His, but I, his I think his accusations came out the week of our fourth episode. Yeah, so... Was it that quick? Yeah. Holy cow. I don't think we... And we certainly, I'm sure we joked about it at the time that nothing was going to happen. Um, and, and as of right now, I mean, he could go in front of a judge and nothing will, could happen. I mean, we don't know. But the point is, is that... He's going to get charged with a crime in some form. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's like it's it, I, th- I feel like that after um, after the Cosby conviction, I was suddenly like, oh, maybe maybe someone will actually get like punished for doing this sort of thing. This, it won't just be losing your career. It'll actually be like a legal response and seeing you know, you never, you don't know what's going to happen. He could, you know, he was arrested and then within like what, a couple of hours he was out on a million dollar bail, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't surprise anybody. I mean, he's, a, he's a rich white man, so it's, yeah. it's yeah. not that we kind of expected that to happen, but, um, so what actually will happen, but it does seem to say that, you know, the New York state district attorney must have enough, feel like they have enough evidence to actually issue an arrest warrant to move ahead with this. And yeah. It, and he's pleading not guilty. Of course he is, because he's... <laughs> his, what was his excuse? That he didn't start the casting couch, so this isn't his... He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. He, he yes. didn't start it, but he's the one that was sloppy enough to get caught. You that, know, that's... that picture of him with the smile on his face oh. in handcuffs says it all. He has absolutely... If he even under He, he doesn't know nor care... He, he sees he clearly sees this as his right and that he, as far as he's concerned he still hasn't done anything wrong some somebody said oh well he'll just plead plead out so that he won't have to go no i don't think he will i think he's that arrogant yeah, and that ego. much of an asshole that he's going to be like you know what i'm going to fight the law and win yeah. and what what books did he have under his arm when he walked in one of them was a biography of elia kazan are you fucking kidding me dude well, yeah, really i heard what elia kazan and richard, Ro- richard rogers was like rogers and hammerstein yeah yeah, That's... the Kazan one was the one where I lost it, because I was like, dude, dude, this is not 1953, and you are not going up against fucking HUAC, really? 
he's making bail in an hour. That's not reading material. That's a statement. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're saying he's likely looking at first degree and third degree rape charges as well as a first degree criminal sexual act. Um, It didn't say specifically what he was charged with. He was charged with rape, criminal sex act, sex abuse, and a sexual misconduct charge for incidents involving two separate women. Um, But supposedly there are three incidents within the statute of limitations that they're looking at. Um, One of them is from... Uh, Pazdo Huerta, who worked on Boardwalk Empire, and okay. who claimed that she was raped twice by him in 2010, and um, there is a 2004 occurrence with a college student that I heard was actually one of the two that he's being charged with, um, where she, uh, where the, the victim said that she was compelled to perform a sex act on him, and then there is another woman who um, wishes to remain anonymous, um, that they have not said what her story is but those are the the two the latter two are the ones that I, I think he was formally charged with yeah um there were a couple of tweets that i'd like to share uh one was from rose mcgowan it just simply said we got you harvey weinstein we got you uh jody cantor said she posted a picture of him being arrested with that stupid smiling face that i just want to punch um, one of the symbols of the day, the female detective leading Harvey Weinstein around in handcuffs. And then um, from the Hollywood Reporter, Me Too founder Tarana Burke on Harvey Weinstein's arrest. This is not a moment to revel in how the mighty have fallen, but instead in how the silenced have spoken up, stood together, and survived. Well, and I think Sean Young also posted something, too. I was just going to mention that. That's an interesting one. That yeah, where... An interview with Sean Young. Oh, okay. So, but she had she had mentioned that he was what one of one of three. Oh, one mm-hmm. of four. There are three more. Oh, okay. That's right. I'm terrible with numbers. She says that's right. I have it right here. That's one down, three to go. I know of at least three abusive men out in Hollywood who are still out there living their successful lives, who I wouldn't dream of outing for fear of losing my life. And speculation is running rampant on that. Well, I mean, there are some big names that she has worked with in the past right well and and i can tell you from from writers that i know who have said that there are several ongoing exposés still being written right now by various reporters and you know they're just waiting for evidence and people willing to come forward and i don't think we've seen the bottom of this i think this is something that Again, we, we've talked about it since we started the show, which is that there are several names that I think, and we're talking about a big one later, that I think would rock the industry if they came out. And I think it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, there are a number of men that, you know, there have been rumors about and that there have been discussions about and that there have been kind of, and that's when you begin to pay attention because so many of these guys, people like Weinstein, who have had reputations of, of being bullies, of being you know, nasty in other ways beyond sexual harassment and and rape, that you begin to then look at those other men and be like, okay, so, I mean, are we going to talk about them? You know, what's going on with Brian Singer? Um, Mm -hmm. What's going on with, I I, I still think that there's going to be more stuff and there's going to be more stuff coming up, particularly about producers and directors Uh, and maybe actors. I mean, who the hell knows, but. There, there are a few. Just, just let us hang on to a few. That would be nice. Well, that would be nice. I think to that, that have, I can't remember if we referenced it yet. I saw a tweet. It's Lexi Alexander 
I think mm-hmm. it might have been after the Arrested Development stuff where she goes, just, we need to get used to the fact 99% of your favorite men in this town are problematic. Yeah, and there are deg- and we talked about it before. There are degrees of problematic. Also, there's there is a difference between like someone like Weinstein and, oh, yeah. and some of the other men that we've talked about, and even some of the men that we're going to talk about today. But it it all stems from the same uh, the same problem, and from the the toxic masculinity and the patriarchal culture in Hollywood, and yeah, yeah and and this culture of power that, that this is. And it's going to get uglier before it gets nicer, but hopefully there will have this is at least saying like this is not going to be tolerated anymore and this kind of behavior is going to end one way or another either the men have to end it themselves and stop doing it or they're going to get outed in public yeah yeah Ugh. yeah this is a good day but it's also the beginning of a very long road so we'll see moving on to the happens. next garbage yeah, so person garbage <laughs> um <laughs> speaking of Oh my gosh, the the boys losing their shit over this one just was, it was too much to take. Okay, so Morgan Freeman was accused this week of sexual misconduct, and a bunch of boys lost their shit over this, and now he's defending himself saying he's never assaulted anybody, and it's like, um, let's look at what you're actually being accused of, buddy. <laughs> so, um, first of all, we all remember several years ago when Morgan Freeman... Uh, when it turned out that he was having a relationship with his step-granddaughter, is that? Yes. Step-granddaughter, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. So, Who he had known since she was a child. Yeah, I mean, this was basically, she was, gran- he was her grandpa, you know? Like, this is just, this isn't like, <laughs> I mean, this is it, very reminiscent of this Woody Allen and Sunyi thing. I was supposed to say, that's Woody Allen levels of you. Yeah. And, yeah. and to add, and to add even worse background to it is that said granddaughter ended up being murdered by an ex-boyfriend in very oh, shady circumstances. The same granddaughter? Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize it was the same one. Oh my god. Yeah. Ooh. Um, well anyway, so but so we already knew, at least those of us that pay attention to these things already knew there was questionable stuff about Morgan Freeman. Um, but now he has been accused of inappropriate behavior and harassment. Uh, this is from CNN the reporter was interviewing him for going in style, I think, about a few months ago. And uh, then some weird stuff. He started just making weird comments and looking at her weird, and it made her uncomfortable. And so then she started reaching out to see if anybody else had had any weird interactions with him. And eight different women said that they had over the years. And eight other people said that they had witnessed stuff that he had done. Yeah, most of this happened um, predominantly when he was making Going in Style, and then there was also a senior member of the production staff of, of the film Now You See Me, um, and then people were going back and looking at interviews that he did with, with female reporters, and it was just predominantly like asking female reporters if they slept around because he was just curious, um, you know, joking, uh, quote-unquote joking with a female reporter about a film uh, for her crossing her legs because she's wearing a short skirt in front of him. Um, again, this is, and and I think at one point, one of the production assistants mentioned that Alan Arkin, when they made Going in Style, actually had to tell him to leave her alone because he was uncomfortable by the behavior he was seeing. So it's a story we've heard all too often at this point, and you hear it a lot with older actors. 
this concept that like, oh, you know, this is just them being charming. And it's not. It's uncomfortable, especially when you're dealing with a position of power and you're just the poor PA who's making peanuts on this production and you want to get your foot in the door. Um, Well, I think all of us have encountered that dirty old man situation. And mm-hmm. we've yeah. been kind of conditioned to brush it off as just exactly that. Oh, he's just a dirty old man. You just have to ignore him. And yeah, I mean, this situation is, I think, an example of that. But you're right, Kristen. It is. It's an example of him. He's he's a person that's actually in power. And if if you piss him off, he can make a call and make your job disappear, you know? And so it, it does take on an extra level of, I, I love how James Conn was talking about how this just means that men can't appreciate women anymore. And it's making a big problem. And I was like, Oh, Jimmy, you don't want to bring up anything right now. Just keep your head low. Cause I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you. Okay. There must be stories. Oh, there must that, be. And that's the thing that, that it raises the conversation about, you know, the, the issue of, OK, well, the, the difference between flirtation and harassment, the difference between um, someone and, you know, and and so most women, I think that it's pretty obvious if someone is flirting with you or if someone is actually making you uncomfortable. And and so so first of all, you've got these these issues of um, of power dynamics that you've got the senior actor on a set making comments or saying things to, to female production assistants, a senior actor on, you know, being interviewed. And, and behavior like that in an interview is just inappropriate to begin with. Right. Yes. Um, but there's a major difference between saying to a woman, oh, you look really pretty today. And, and you know, he, he, is, he said to a pregnant woman that she looked ripe. Yeah. Yeah. That's creepy. It, really if creepy. anyone said that to a pregnant woman, like even a good close friend said to said to a pregnant woman, oh, you look so ripe today. It's just like, that, where do you think that that is OK? Well, my, um, my whole thing is, is like if you wouldn't say it to a male colleague, it's probably not the best thing to say to a female colleague. Exactly. Well, it, exactly. So this whole idea about appreciating women is something that's just like Give women compliments. You can say you look pretty or you have, oh, I really like that dress or, oh, you're looking really good today. That's not particularly offensive. And very few women would take offense at that. But it's this it's this power dynamic and this this sense of consumption that like, oh, I'm looking at you in a way that, um, you know, I'm I'm eating you with my eyes at some level. Well, and that's, the, I'm looking at you and you should be grateful, damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, and yeah, like you were saying, this this becomes more and more of a problem, particularly with older actors. And part of it is because different generations. But the other mm-hmm. part of it is that at a certain point, they they get put into this category of being, oh, they're harmless. And so they can get away with saying what are basically creepy things that we would find really offensive in younger men. Um they can get away with it. It's just like, oh, well, it's not really serious. You know, he's not he's old. He's not really uh, he's not really a danger. He's not, you know, there's always this, this implication that he's not going to try to rape you or anything, which of course that's, that's false. Um, and, and it becomes that level of problematic because people are more willing to dismiss it in older men than they are in like a 25 year old man or a 30 year old man. Well, what I'm noticing more with Freeman more than anybody else. And this is kind of what I think Karen was alluding to with people freaking out mostly men freaking out 
is that Morgan Freeman has cultivated, and again, it goes back to what I've been saying about persona. Actors cultivate a look. It is very specific. They are Mm -hmm. selling themselves, so they are selling a personality as a product. Morgan Freeman is the voice of God. Morgan Freeman Mm -hmm. has played our first black president, you know, and people are acting like Santa Claus stabbed Jesus and then the Easter Bunny <laughs> ate the Tooth Fairy. I mean, like, all their things. You know, you're hearing these posts from people like, heroes are dead and God means nothing. And Morgan Freeman is, you know, this. They're, they're like, losing their shit. And we're all sitting there rolling around. I, I posted it on our Slack page. I was like, it makes me think of that SNL song that Trisha Ronan sang, Welcome to Hell, where it's like, this has been the, the world for years and it's really only because it's affecting you that you guys are, like, freaking out about it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it it feels a lot like, and, and now what Freeman is accused of is very minor compared to what um, Bill Cosby was accused of. Yeah. But it feels like some of the reactions when all of the Cosby stuff began coming out again, whatever that mm-hmm. was, a couple of years ago. Uh, and and there were, like, articles were being written, and people were, you know, there was serious, this, there was this sense of, like, America's dad has turned out to be this, this like, serial rapist, basically. And, and that kind of reaction was, like, so it is the same kind of cultivation of persona, like you're saying, that it's, um, these men represent themselves as being kind of the benign father figures. It's and persona. It's, yeah, exactly. And and it's turning out that those benign father figures that, you know, you sh- you're supposed to feel safe with are actually harassers or abusers, even up to being rapists. Yeah. Uh, one thing that has come up a bunch this week, too, going back to the, you know, men can't even compliment a woman. Men don't know how to act around women. Well, women don't know how to act around men. We don't know who's safe and who's not. We don't yeah. know when something we say or do is going to be taken the wrong way and lead us down a path that's really scary and dangerous. I mean, I know all of us have been in situations that could have become really bad really quickly. I've been in situations that I literally had to run for my life one time. And that it's terrifying. And you just don't know. And so, sure... Morgan Freeman's accused of saying and saying inappropriate things and making people feel uncomfortable. And that is, that is bad enough. Like we need to take that seriously because you don't know if there's more, you don't know when that can escalate and men just need to stop. And going back to Kristen's point, if you wouldn't say it to a man, you should think twice before you say it to a woman. Absolutely. Well, it's that old uh, Margaret Atwood quote that, you know, men are afraid that women will embarrass them. Women are afraid that men will kill them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's something that men, the good men, need to take seriously. They need to, like, actually interrogate their own behavior and say, like, because a lot of these guys really don't mean any harm. But we don't know that you don't mean any harm. Right. Exactly. right? We don't know that you're that this is not going to turn into something like you're incredibly dangerous for us. So the immediate reaction is I'm going to run. I am going to get angry. I'm going to protect myself somehow because I don't know what is going to happen. Even though you might not intend anything by it, you might just be like, oh, I was just trying to be nice. Like, you know, th- think about this. And that's that's why I even said the other day, like there are ways to compliment women that are completely benign and that are completely like non-predatory 
You know, it's e that's easy to do. It's easy to flirt like that. You don't have to like say creepy shit about women's bodies. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well, ultimately, it's and I've found there's been some very interesting tweets, especially this week, about men being conditioned to believe that they deserve a woman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is where it comes. You know, it's treat everybody. If you wouldn't say it to him, if you wouldn't say it to a man, don't say it to a woman. We're all, you know, I just want to be treated like a human being. Just treat me like an equal. Treat me like a human being. You're not entitled to a woman you're not entitled to a piece of meat you know it makes my head spin <sighs> yeah exactly i feel the same way so um well let's guys we're all really tired we are we're so tired. tired we please let us talk about other things please stop doing this crap and speaking <laughs> of really bad men doing really bad things i was about to say we have one more to go don't we <laughs> We have two, technically. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry, everyone. Luke Besson. <laughs> I, uh, I don't even, I, I don't even know. Speaking of fanboy idols. Oh my gosh, right? So Luke Besson was accused of rape. That is a really huge deal. Um, I, I'm tired, guys. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm really tired. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't even think straight right now. So, this actually, this accusation happened at Cannes. Um, there has been a rape investigation opened in France uh, based on an incident that happened at the Brittle Hotel in Paris. So, if not in Canada, during Cannes, I guess. Um, a, a, an unnamed person said that he lured her into his hotel room, I think. She she was a an, she's an an unnamed actress who was given a cup of tea by him and supposedly blacked out after she drank it and pretty much woke up realizing that she had been raped and that uh, he had left her a wad of money for her after he left. <laughs> oh, that's <God>. awesome! <laughs> classy, very classy. And in case people are curious, she did bring up that she had previously been in an intimate relationship with him for two years. One that she felt pressured into for, quote, professional reasons. Oh, dear. Uh, this is going to get ugly. It's going to yeah, get really um, ugly. But the fact that this is happening in France and that France is actually proceeding with the investigation is interesting because of the fact that they have notoriously been very dismissive of, um, of anything like this as it pertains to famous people, mm -hmm. so... Well, and, and I mean, if you heard Asia Argento talk about about Can being this hunting ground for for men, um, you know, you're starting to think that, like, maybe there's I mean, there's truth to that statement, considering how many of these guys end up getting uh, getting clout from Can and then are accused of stuff. Um, and Besson is someone who has always had this issue with with young women Um before, I mean, if anybody remembers when he made The Professional with Natalie mm -hmm. Portman, mm -hmm. I mean, her parents had to fight for him to remove suggestive content. There is a subplot in that movie where Natalie Portman's character, who I think was, what, 12 at the time, yeah. was mm -hmm. was trying to um, engage in a relationship with the, the character played by Gene Reno, and they actually had to tell him to to cut all of that out. There is a, quote, director's cut that you can watch that was released in Europe. 
I've seen it and it is I mean, I love the professional as is the movie, the movie that that was released here. I think that movie is, is a lot of fun. If you watch the director's cut, it is a scuzzy shit show. You and know, also, I believe I read that there was a scene that Jean Reno himself had refused to film. Right. Yeah. yeah. About her being in the shower and he was like, yeah, yeah I'm not doing that. And it's like he walks yeah. in or something, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He walks yeah. in while she's in the shower and they're supposed to have this conversation. And he was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So, yeah, he's he's he was quoted, I think, when some of this stuff came out, um, he was quoted as basically saying like the there he wanted he played Leon as as like, I'm I am not sexually interested in this girl and that that's what he wanted to do. And it sounds like there was a great deal of conflict between um, Besson and the, the choices that Renault was making of being like, I want to be very clear that I am not sexually interested in this girl. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So, so fuck Luke Besson. That's all I got. Well, that's we don't want to. We um, don't want to. But <laughs> we know. We, yeah. Yes, boys, your idols are crashing down around your. Yeah. Yes, we know. The house of cards is crumbling. Now what you know will you how do? How it feels to be us, not knowing who to trust, and just basically learning to not trust anybody. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Um. So. Before we get into, I think, what's going to be a pretty robust question or conversation, let's let's take a question from the audience, shall we? Um, let's see. Tim Byrne at TBurn75 said, Who were or are your favorite acting duo in movies, present and or historical? He wants to start. Uh, I'll start. Just the one, the first one that popped into my head. And this is a historical one, William Powell and Myrna Loy. You took mine, yes. Uh, I knew it. I, this is why I wanted to start. I was like, someone else is going to say this, so I'm going I'm to do it. Uh, uh, yeah, the Thin Man movies, but also the comedies that they made together. Mm-hmm. They're so charming, and they're so funny, and they're always like, there's, you know, he, he's a good bit older than she is, but there's always this parody between the two of them. Um, and they work so well together. Like, there's... The, the first Thin Man movie, you got you have those back and forths that are just snappy and brilliant and hilarious, and you feel like they're complete equals and matches for one another, and it's just it's awesome to see on screen, and and the, their comedies like if if anyone hasn't seen some of the comedies that they done like that they did like Love Lady or um it's Love I'm uh, not it's Love I'm After um now I'm blanking on it, uh but some of their some of the comedies that they did are just hilarious and the two of them work so well together love crazy that was the one i was thinking of who else um i'll i'll include a couple um i'm gonna go with some some of the deep cuts um i love ricardo montalban and sid charise um they did a couple movies together predominantly esther williams movies um but i mean they are just two fantastically gorgeous people and they can dance their ass off and i think that that's a lot of fun. Um, trying to think of, I don't have any like modern ones just because I don't really notice when modern people end up making movies together. Like in classic films, it was because they knew they had something that worked. Um, so I, I mean, another good one is, um, Oh God, who is it? I'm totally blanking on him. Uh, Robert Mitchum and um, Jane Russell. Um, that's a great one. Just because there's so much like sexual chemistry between the two of them 
And I think Jane Russell's the only one I could believe would, like, be able to kick the shit out of him, which is great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are those are two that, again, if you have not seen their their movies, um, you should definitely check them them out because they all did. I think I think uh, Jane Russell and Robert Mitchum did two and um, Sid Charisse and Ricardo Montalban, I think, made three. Don't quote me on that. Um, but, yeah, all good. Uh, I'll I'll jump in. I mean, I have to echo William Powell and Myrna Loy. Um, easy answer, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers. Yes. One deep, one deep cut, just because I've been thinking about it a lot, and it's not a well-known one, and I know the response that Kristen is probably going to give. Um, Jean, pa- or Jean, ugh, Jean Harlow and Francho Tone together, they did three, and I've just been binging her movies, so it's in the front of my mind. And the relationships are always kind of the second string, but they are so incredibly good together, so sweet together. And it shows like a different side to it brings out the best in her. I think I mean, you see the kind of persona she has when she's with William Powell and when she's with a Clark Gable. But there's a different side that you see, especially to her when she's opposite tone. And they did. I mean, I. The Girl from Missouri, Bombshell, and or Reckless, and what was the one I just watched? Susie, or the three that I can think of off the top of my head. And they were just, they're adorable together, worked so well together, and it's a shame there wasn't more to see. Kim, I don't know why you would think that I would have anything to say about that. <laughs> I, I could almost hear the audible sigh through the microphone. <sighs> fucking, <laughs> fucking Franjo. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I just have one modern one that I'm going to throw out, because I, I think that it seems like you have some kind of troops, I guess, that will, a group that will tend to make a film together still, but there aren't too many duos anymore, I think, but um, one that hopefully their recent uh, sequel isn't an indication of a downward slide, but I really like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson together. I like so many of their movies. <laughs> The Cable Guy is hilarious. Zoolander is so... I, I love that movie. And then The Royal Tenenbaums, I think, is just fantastic. And um, and I actually like the Night at the Museum movies, too. So, yeah. Hopefully Zoolander I've, 2 wasn't, like, the beginning of the uh, end, but... I have never thought of those two as a duo. Very <laughs> savvy choice. Thank you. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that was a fun question. I like that. Thank you so much. Uh, we do have a couple more we'll, we'll be talking about um, strategically. So, but let's go back up a little bit to um, some other news that came up this week that's actually more of a discussion, and that is the interview that broke Twitter... The cast of Arrested Development were interviewed by a reporter from the New York Times, and a lot of shit went down in that interview. Um, just to quickly recap, so essentially, it was because Arrested Development is coming back for season five. It's uh, dropping on Netflix this coming week, and so it's it's been five years since the last season and so it's you know big reunion for everybody they've done all kinds of events well of course while they were filming this fifth season they were almost done with principal filming that was when the accusations against jeffrey tambor came out from folks that worked with him on transparent and so 
because they were done with the season, basically, they didn't rewrite any of that or cut him out or anything like that. Although now it's very clear that they would never have done that anyway. Um, but so this interview was most of the cast. Portia de Rossi was not there, but everyone else was. And uh, so they were talking and Jeffrey Tambor recently gave that. Oh, I think we talked about it in the last episode. He had given that there was that profile about him. And mm-hmm. in that interview, he mentioned an incident. He mentioned an incident where he blew up on the set at Jessica Walter. And um, so that, of course, came up in this New York Times piece. And which, you know, I, I got to give the reporter some credit for bringing that up because sometimes people just want to, you know, tell the good stuff and they don't want to they don't want to bring up any of the things that are, you know, quote, unrelated. But um so anyway, um, this actually, this interview was very interesting for a lot of ways. Sorry, I'm trying to bring it up because we didn't, um, basically, so the reporter was the one who asked about the incident because of the fact that Tambor had brought it up in this other interview. And so, um, Jessica Walter started talking about, she plays Lucille Bluth on the show. She plays the, the mother. They actually play a married couple on the show. They're the parents of Jason Bateman uh, Tony Hale, Will Arnett, and Portia de Rossi. And then David Cross plays a son-in-law. And um, so there's a, a part in the interview where um, it comes up. She says, I have to let go of being angry at him. Ms. Walter said through tears as Mr. Tambor sat a few feet away. In almost 60 years of working, I've never had anybody yell at me like that on a set, and it's hard to deal with, but I'm over it now. And then, of course, the dudes, mostly Bateman, Cross, and Hale, all started jumping in and trying to, like, defend Tambor and explain that, like, Jason Bateman starts explaining that that's just, you know, it's just how the industry works. People have personalities and they get mad at each other and, oh, it was exhausting. Reading this thing was so frustrating. But They went through, they went through pretty much, if you look at, like, NPR, they broke down the 10, the 11 things that they did in that article. Mm -hmm. That the men did. They jokingly said they've all done the same to her. Right. That all, quote unquote, families have arguments. Proceeded to joke about the other terrible things they've all done to each other. Pointed out that Tambor has already said that he's working on himself. Said, quote, difficult people are part of the business. And said, quote, atypical behavior is part of a person's process. Then said they've all lost their temper said that expecting normal behavior under, means not understanding what happens on the set, claimed to have zero complaints about working together, called yelling at people a wobbly route to a goal, and emphasized context and everyone playing their role in conflict. Right. So what's funny about this, um, if there's anything, I mean, I use the word funny lightly, um, so on Twitter, of course, this this article was shared. It was talked about a lot, and all these all these women were sitting there saying, "Yeah, I've been in this exact situation. This is how men treat women. Where they're constantly dismissive of us. They they try to downplay everything that we say if it's not in line with what they want us to say, 
And all these men were like, really? Oh my gosh, my mind is so blown. Oh, I'm so enlightened now based on this conversation. And I'm like, really? You guys do this to us all <laughs> the time. Like, how is this illuminating? How do you not know that this is constantly happening? I have a lot of feelings. This opened up a big old can for me because I well, do and- this all the time. And Ali Shawkat, who plays Maybe, tried to interject and kind of tell Bateman to shut the fuck up. She says that just because he says certain people have certain processes, she says, quote, but that doesn't mean it's acceptable. And the point is that things are changing and people need to respect each other differently. And they said in the audio, she sounds really, really irritated. Um, And Jessica Walter wanted them to emphasize specifically in the article that it was essentially her and her and Shawkat were the only females in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind I of wonder how how Portia wasn't there. Yeah, you kind of wonder how the dynamic would have shifted possibly if Portia Tarasi had been there, mm-hmm. um, because because you do have this like you know a, a predominantly male cast, and in the interview even more predominantly male, uh, and and they're all and you you just read like the the way that Bateman even in text right not even listening to the audio but even in text the way that he is obviously trying to shape the conversation the way that he's trying to talk over Jessica Walter and, ba- and basically saying like it's essentially saying like you're her what happened is real but your feelings aren't right. well he um, says he says he goes Jason Bateman uses three tactics to start every sentence and hello did I just lose anybody I'm here I think we we lost I'm Kristen, Kristen. Kristen! We can't hear you, Kristen, if you're still talking. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, man. Oh, I heard it. Uh, she she said yes on Skype. I don't know what she's saying yes to. Uh, she can hear us, but we can't hear her. Did she unplug her mic? Did, Kristen, did you unplug your mic? Check your microphone, Kristen. <laughs> It's plugged. I haven't moved anything. anything. Well, it's finally happened. Someone is starting to silence us. (laughs) (laughs) It's all on that Sean Young thing we said. We pissed off somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And that was how Regina George died. Only kidding. But we did lose audio. We don't have the rest of it. I don't know what happened. We can't really explain it. But just rest assured that we had a brilliant and insightful conversation about the fact that men are constantly treating women the way that the men of Arrested Development treated Jessica Walter and Alia Shawkat. We also answered some questions, talked about trailers, and got into a little bit of a review of Solo, A Star Wars Story. But for that, you can actually hear an entire episode dedicated to Star Wars, to Solo, to all those kinds of things in the galaxy far, far away in an exclusive episode for Patreon. For just $1 a month, you can subscribe and hear all kinds of exclusive bonus content. That is patreon.com slash citizendame. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at citizendamepod. You can follow all of our individual accounts from there. And please come back next week where we hope to not have audio difficulties. Thanks so much. Please allow me, I'll just circumvent you. Let's make sure we don't give him any real power. Get me a vodka rocks. Mom, it's breakfast. And a piece of toast. Yes. 
I have a rape horn, Michael. Because you took away my mace. Yeah, like anyone would want to R her. 